This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about the sex is special philosophy that many people learn through, you know, popular media, religion, etc., and how I've really seen that bite married couples in the ass. And before we get to that, of course, as usual, you should subscribe because I have over 137 or more, um, I forget, episodes that are only available to the subscribers that pay $8.99 a month via Spotify. And then, of course, you can listen to those on any platform. In fact, I get this question a lot. So here's what actually happens. You pay on the link that's linked in every single episode. You go to that and then you subscribe. Then you get an email. Sometimes it goes to your spam and that has a link. Once you click on that link, then you can access the subscriber episodes on any platform, Apple, Google, Spotify itself, of course, etc. Then you get all those extra episodes, the most recent one of which was, is your partner a romantic or are you a romantic, which is like asexual except for romance. And all those different orientations can be very, very useful in explaining things that you never really understood about yourself or your partner. All right, so um, moving on. Uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, this idea that sex is supposed to be so special and sacred. And I, I hear this a lot. I've obviously, I'll give you guys a little background. There's um, something called SIPACT. It's the reciprocity agreement. And um, so basically therapists can work with people in other states in recent years. And this was hastened by COVID, right? That, that we can work with more people because telehealth was so obviously necessary during the pandemic. It pushed along laws that were going to, you know, get pushed along eventually anyway, but it hastened the acceptance of the whole telehealth idea and the laws that make it possible. So I've been working in, you know, the past since the pandemic with a lot more people from everywhere, you know? And so I've seen that in specifically very religious communities, which I didn't really have anybody that I was working with that had been raised evangelical or anything before that, you know, because they would have had to basically move to the D.C. area where I am. And most of them don't. They stay where they, they, you know, grew up. And so basically I've learned a lot about being raised very religious and very Christian and purity culture and all of this. And there's this idea that, you know, sex is extremely special and should only be with the person that you're going to marry. And it's this sacred thing. And of course, I knew about that idea in general. And if you're raised as a woman, then, you know, at some point, somebody tells you not to have sex until marriage and you do or you don't, you know, but if you're not raised very religious, then you usually do. <laughs> and sex can be special with the person with a lot of different people, you know, and it can be used for a lot of different things. It's part of like having a fun 20s is like having boyfriends and, you know, flings and what have you. And then it's part of being in a relationship. And that's just kind of how it is. And then you get married and you have sex with that person too. And since you know about sex, then you usually are marrying somebody with whom you feel sexual compatibility. This is not so when you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. You have no idea about sexual compatibility because you are basically told that this sex is a special sacred thing. And if you love somebody enough to marry them, then you will 
you know, marry them and have sex with them and it's going to be great and it's going to be uh, this um, amazing, wonderful thing. Now, I've worked with lots and lots of people that that really didn't work for. Because, like, it's like saying if you get married to somebody, then playing tennis with them is going to be a magical thing. But yet neither of you has played tennis before and you might be real shit at tennis and you have no idea. You might not like tennis at all. So the idea that sex is supposed to be this special sacred thing that you only do when you're in love with somebody really has hurt a hell of a lot of people and their marriages. Also, and this is something that a lot of people don't realize, if you're taught that sex is supposed to be a special sacred thing that's just with one person, um, and it's this wonderful communion of souls, etc., then it's obvious that every encounter the woman will think needs to be that way. So if sex is supposed to be special, then sex is supposed to be special. So if she's not feeling it at any given moment, which of course she never is after the honeymoon stage pretty much, you know, except when she ovulates or sees, you know, some hot guy or something, I mean, you know, then... And even when she sees a hot guy, if she's not ovulating, she doesn't seem, it just seems like a pretty painting. But if she's not in the mood, and she's rarely in the mood, as you know from responsive desire, I've taught you about that, the woman needs to start doing it in order to feel in the mood to do it, then she's not going to want to do it. Because if it's supposed to be a special sacred thing, a special sacred thing does not really start out with, he has to rub my back, and then we're going to be kissing, and then eventually I feel like I want to do it within like 10 minutes. No, no, no. That's not how it works in the movies. That's not how she thinks that it's supposed to work. Either it's a sacred, special, magical communion of souls, or it ain't. And if it is, then it's supposed to be that every time. So that's why the women that are raised with this idea really are the least responsive uh, to the idea, the, the, the least mentally responsive to the idea of responsive desire. Because it has been hammered into them that it is so special, this total emotional connection you only have with one person, and then every time they think supposed to be great. And it's not. And how could it be? Because you have to practice at something for it to be good, right? And so you didn't practice before marriage. You didn't practice when it was low stakes. Now that you are married, and of course, a lot of women that are religious, etc., get pregnant really quick, and that does a number on your hormones, and then you have a baby, and then you're breastfeeding, which kills your libido, etc., etc. So basically, the honeymoon isn't great, because of course, nobody knows what they're doing. And so she feels totally blindsided by that, that there's no transformative sexual awakening. How could there be? The guy doesn't know shit. Sometimes the guy, even in these religious communities, has had more sex than her. He's not always a virgin, but it's always, you know, these fumbling things with similar girls. Even if it's not, even if somehow it's this religious girl marrying this guy that had this long-term relationship where he learned a lot about sex, every woman is not similar. I mean, they're kind of similar, you know, but they're not the same. So he may be doing a bunch of stuff that she doesn't like. So the point is, she has no idea what she would like. She's trained not to masturbate, to be very sex negative, and that sex is only for this special guy. And then if he can't, you know, make fireworks happen, which of course, as you, as I'm telling you, how could he? Having no practice or pro no practice with her, her having all these expectations, both of them thinking that it's just supposed to be linked somehow to love. And if they love each other, then then sex magically is good. Then, you know, it's not going to be that good. So then she gets turned off of the whole thing. And she feels that, you know, he's just not the right person or something. 
it's so funny when I hear like there's these various bastions of males on the internet that feel that women all should be virgins until they get married. And I did not actually even know that like there were as many guys as think this until I started to get bigger on the internet. And then all these guys come out of the woodwork. I mean, to, again, I mean, I was raised pretty secular, you know, so and I went to a liberal college and is this just wasn't a thing in, in my milieu at all you know, that you were supposed to wait until marriage. But apparently a lot of guys think so. And one of the big reasons they say is she won't be comparing you to other people. This is monstrously stupid, you know, because she compares other people are just normal human beings that can fuck up. Some of them are good at this. Some of them are good at that. They're all just men. But if you're comparing the guy to like what you are thinking in your imagination that sex is supposed to be, then he's got no shot. Because you're sitting there thinking, oh my God, like this was supposed to be this transformative, amazing experience, but instead I have this bumbling fuck, you know, and he can't do anything right. And uh, he must be bad at this. He must just be so bad at this. Because what I've known is that if you love somebody and if this is a sacred, wonderful thing, then it's going to be this transformative, mystical, wonderful experience. So I guess he's just broken. I guess he, he just can't do it right. And she compares it to like romance movie scenes or just this idea from love songs, et cetera, that when you are with the right person, somehow they unlock you like a key into a lock. And that's just, that can't happen. And if you've not had any other experience, then frequently these women, when they come in, they tell me, I feel so bad, you know, that I never was able to explore my body. I never was able to have experiences with anybody else. We don't have a good sex life. And that's really, you know, something I was trained to fear is to explore in any way. And I feel like I missed the boat because now I'm married. Well, guess what happens to some of those women that get divorced, right? Because they, they want to explore. They want to have, you know, these experiences. And they're comparing the guy that they're with to this ideal because they don't actually have other men to compare him to or have any way that they think that they could teach him how to do anything because they have zero experience. So, you know, it, it's pretty interesting when you think about it because the the... Yes, on the one hand, like, it would be good to have no comparison points, I guess, you know, like, if you have, like, a prisoner, you know, then then your prisoner thinks you're a good prison guard because they haven't had any other prison guards, you know, but, like, so they could think you're very beneficent, <laughs> but but in, in reality, like, that that's what it turns out to be, you know, it's just one person kind of who is if things don't go well, feels pretty trapped with you, you know, and they don't know any better, but they can certainly fantasize about something that's better, you know, something that has no bounds, something that is outside of what a man can humanly accomplish because they they don't know, like, what actual sex is. So they think that if it was the right guy, some other guy, maybe some other guy that they saw across, you know, the hall in high school or something, then that man would create this other kind of experience for them. You know, this one that they thought they were supposed to get, this special, sacred unique thing that is only between a man and a woman who deeply love each other, but apparently it doesn't work in their marriage. They don't have any idea how to get to a place where it would because they don't have any idea about their body, about their sexual potential. They've never had sex before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody not being able to compare you to other people is like, you know, 
It's kind of like The Collector by John Fowles, you know, or you with Joe. Like, it's it's a common male fantasy to get a woman who has no other options. Not common male. It is a, 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 a fantasy of insecure young men, usually, to have a woman who had no other options, so she has nobody to compare you to. But she still has a brain, right? She could still, she still knows if she feels good or she doesn't. She still thinks. Like, it's like feeding somebody gruel every day, and then, you know, they don't, they don't know what other food is, right? But like they see food on TV, you know, that, and so they think that food is transformative and wonderful and magical. Like they know they're not getting that, even if they've not ever experienced eating food. So anyway, what should you do about it if you're in this situation? Well, I mean, you got to go to a sex therapist. And my, my next, um, my next podcast is going to be about why therapy often does not help sexless marriages. And the reason, one of the reasons, is that it doesn't directly address sex ever. So if you are in this situation where, you know, you, you know, like there was a sacred cow of how wonderful sex is supposed to be and it's never really been that for you guys, due in part to a lack of experience or a lack of self-awareness or not understanding how, how you know, how or why you didn't connect, not understanding your erotic blueprints or your preferences or even what erotic blueprints are, of course I have a podcast about that, um, but then you should go to somebody who's a sex therapist, you know, or a sex intimacy coach like Heather, who works at my practice, or a therapist like myself, who also works with sexual issues. There's you you cannot just go to a regular couples counselor and expect that somehow your sex life is going to be addressed, especially if the two of you do not have a lot of prior experience. For example, like she probably a, a woman in this situation is unlikely to ever, you know, tell you like feedback about how you could be better because remember she doesn't know how you can be better. She doesn't know. And a lot of these women feel too ashamed to read erotic stories or to even read steamy romance novels, you know, or if they do, they're scared to tell the guy. Or if they tell the guy, sometimes in these situations with these people who have been raised to think that sex is so special, then the guy thinks it's basically a form of pornography. So then he he gets upset. So the basic thing you need to do is open your mind to the fact that sex is a human activity and it's a life activity and it can mean love and it can also mean comfort and fun and adventure and uh, exploration and play, a million things, right? And so if you just think that it's supposed to be this romantic transcendental union of souls, you're going to be pretty disappointed by, you know, the fact that it isn't that every time and it certainly ain't going to be that the first time because there's almost no way you know, for, for that to happen. Just like the first time you ever got onto a tennis court, you didn't play an awesome game of tennis, right? So everybody has to learn everything. And the reality of practice being necessary for activities of any sort is antithetical to this sacred cow of sex as this special thing where two blessed souls come together as one. And that's like crazy because you don't actually know how to do that, you know? Like the odds of a woman having an orgasm in her first sexual encounter are pretty much nil. Obviously, you could see why that would be, right? You know, and it was interesting. The Facebook stuff, super interesting. So I get like a lot of good feedback that helps me understand things. And I had never really thought about it from this perspective. It's very simple. But a guy said in his comment that when he was young, he felt that if he was enjoying himself in that moment, so was she. It's like a complete lack of um, theory of mind, you know, complete lack of empathy. But like, it's so common. You know, it's, it, and from both genders, too. It's like the woman is at the pumpkin festival. I always use the pumpkin festival as my uh, 
funny female-centric activity. She's at the pumpkin festival. The sun is shining. The kids are so cute. The pumpkins are out. You know, she just had a cup of coffee. She's feeling so fall vibes. And so she looks over at him and it's totally normal human thing to think he must be feeling the same way. Meanwhile, he's like, get me the fuck out of this, wasting my goddamn day. I got to get up tomorrow for work. All I wanted to do was relax, right? But if he smiles back at her, which he totally should to be a pal, you know, people need to sacrifice for one another in a relationship, then she thinks that they're feeling the same thing. They're not, (laughs) you know? So this young guy in the Facebook comment, who's the representative for probably all young teenage boys, thought, oh, I'm feeling that this is amazing. Like having intercourse with her is the best thing that ever happened to me. This is awesome. She must be feeling something similar. She's not, you know, in nine out of 10 cases with a young guy if he doesn't know what he's doing, right? So so it's it's totally normal for people not to be able to zip into each other's minds, if they've, especially if they've never talked about a topic. But this is what therapy can do. Therapy can open up the conversation that these two people are having incredibly different experiences in bed. They need incredibly different things. They may not have the same erotic preferences, blueprints, fantasies, ideas, uh, d- ways they want to be touched, et cetera, et cetera. And you got to talk about that stuff to understand. So I, I really... I learn every single day, you know, and something that I have learned very recently is that, you know, and I would talk about this before, I just didn't realize how prevalent it was, but that guys don't really understand, many guys don't understand that foreplay is like necessary for many women, like absolutely necessary, essential, you need that, you know, because they don't. So, and then this isn't everybody. And there's plenty of guys who love foreplay. And it's a huge myth that guys don't like foreplay. But for a guy, foreplay is awesome. It's an awesome add-on. It makes sex awesome. And as they get older and they have more erectile issues, then foreplay may be necessary. But for a young guy, they could just do it. They could just literally have intercourse. And the woman just usually, unless she's extremely unusual, because only 25% of women can have an orgasm from intercourse alone without clitoral stimulation then she can't enjoy it. She just can't. That's not how her body is shaped. Like, she just can't. So this in and of itself, I thought this was like a minority kind of of guys who didn't know about foreplay. It isn't. And particularly guys who are raised in cultures where you're not supposed to talk about sex, masturbation is shameful. Porn doesn't talk about foreplay. Porn doesn't show you foreplay. So it's kind of, um, these are the women who are saying all over the internet that guys are bad in bed. These, that, that's why, because the guys don't understand that, like, how a woman's body works, you know. We offer a lot of this stuff in my practice, by the way, all about how a woman's body works. There's some anatomy of a vulva course coming up from Heather, the intimacy coach. You should always go on bestlifebehavioralhealth.com. I put this in my description. Um, there are very – I have podcasts about it. I have oral sex on women. I have ones about blowjobs. I have ones about foreplay. If one's on female arousal, do you know what it looks like? Because a lot of men don't, literally. She's a young woman. They, the inside of her is literally wet because it is a mucous membrane. So they assume that that's what they're talking about. I'm so wet, et cetera, and porn. They don't know she gets wetter when she's turned on because they've never seen a woman turned on because they just have sex with her right away. There's just so much to learn, people. There's just so much to learn. And um, all of this can be taught, you know, and all of this can be understood, but not if somebody doesn't know because they've been trained to think that when you're in love, sex will follow. 
when you're in love, sex, good sex, sex can follow, but not good sex, you know, because you have to practice at anything. All right. Well, I hope that this was useful and um, eye-opening to any of you that were raised in any sort of anti-sex culture or a culture that said that sex would just be something that magically happened for you when you found the right person and you were in love and married. Um, a lot of you, and, and if, if only you get this, you're not the only one who struggles with this. If you were raised in that kind of culture, there's loads of you struggling with your sex lives and you should reach out for help, you know? And um, a lot of what I do is to normalize feeling bad. You know, when people feel bad, they often feel like they're the only freak that feels bad, that can't get it, their sex life to work or their love life or whatever they're upset about to work with themselves or their partner. And so they're a freak. You're not a freak. You're just somebody who didn't practice. You're somebody who doesn't have knowledge. You're somebody who didn't ever, never got certain things taught to you. We're told that those things were not needed to be taught or you don't even know what, ha what can be taught, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope this was useful to you guys and I'll talk to y'all soon. Have a great day.